0: Welcome back to the final episode of the Rankable Podcast for 2023, and I have a fantastic guest to end on. All year, we've been talking about SEO, we've been talking about AI, we've been talking about LLMs, and there is a real environmental impact to all this technology. I actually know firsthand, this this guest doesn't know this, but I live in Virginia right by all the data centers in the world of Google. And so I know like that there are these massive billions all around us. I'm joined today by Chris Butterworth. Chris is the founder and lead consultant of Align. Now, Align is a digital sustainability agency. Like basically they help you, consultancy, they help you transform your business to be more eco-conscious, more friendly. They do a lot of these important aspects of putting the plan in place. Cause it's, it's easy to say that you're gonna get to net zero carbon emissions. And you don't have a plan in place, it's it's probably not going to happen. Now, Chris, he's experienced design. He's an experienced design technologist turned digital sustainability consultant after discovering carbon emissions of the internet is, well, we're going to get to it. I'll let him talk about it. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. How you doing, man?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty good.
0: I'm excited to discuss this topic because, as we were discussing right before the podcast, there's a lot of overlap between our daily internet usage and all that we do in the world of SEO and generative AI and the impact it has on our environment. So I just want to ask you point blank for our audience. Can you define digital sustainability? Like, Why is it crucial in the world that we live in?
1: So the most widely adopted uh, definition of digital sustainability is the is calling it the process of applying social economic and environmental stewardship principles to digital products and services and data delivered via the internet um so that is kind of ESG for digital products you know if you have a huge amount of data why are you keeping it is it secure is it private? Are your users protected? Are they? Eth- is it ethical? And also, is it environmental? You know, are you? Are your? Is your supply chain using renewable energy or not? Are you? Are there different decisions that you can make? Um, I what I tend to do is I tend to focus on the environmental side of things, uh, because it's it's numbers and numbers don't lie, um. So, yeah, so then, you know, what I do as part of line is generate reports and do a lot of auditing and do a lot of training. Um, you know, training is one of the most important things. We've got webinars, courses and everything like that ready to go to help organizations understand and lower the emissions created by this completely invisible contributor. You know, we don't think of the internet as polluting, but in reality, it's more polluting than the aviation industry. You know, we're, we're talking around 3.7%. It's it's not a small amount. You know, the aviation industry is roughly two. Right. That well, number, I mean, that's numbers, the thing.
0: You think about like the, the yeah. black smoke that comes out of any sort of plane. And, exactly. and to your point, it's like, it's all about education. I imagine like that yeah. education is so critical to your role, right?
1: Yeah, it's it, absolutely the most important point to it. Whether it's doing a webinar in front of a few dozen people just to try and get some something out there for people to understand and take or take some learning with them. Like even if it's, it's you know not replying to you know not re, replying not sending a thank you email. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think being British as well, like we're inherently polite. So as soon as somebody sends us something, well, it's like automatically reply, thank you. But where, you know, and even though I was a few years old, there was a study back in 2019 by an energy provider. And they literally did a study on this and said that if every UK adult stopped sending a thank you email it would save 16,000 tons of carbon. It's just, it's unreal numbers. You know, if we talk about all of these numbers thinking, ah, it's small, it's minimal. If the internet was a country, it would be the, the sixth highest polluter in the world.
0: That's nuts, and I mean, I'm not familiar with the UK laws, and and frankly, I'm not as familiar with the US laws when it comes to regulation. We hear a lot about the auto industry in terms of regulating emissions or whatever. Yep are Are there regulations in place in the EU and the UK in terms in nothing in terms
1: of internet? No, 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 no. So there are there are uh, kind of reporting standards. Um, so like within the EU, there's the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the biggest one for the EU. That's not in place in the UK. I'm pretty sure once we get our own political stuff sorted out, that it, that it will come eventually. I'm hoping that it does because I do think that there needs to be something there. But there aren't any standards when it comes to best practices or standards when it comes to enforcing stuff. You know, it's not like, um, web content accessibility guidelines, which is something that that kind of, there are laws in place that surround those. Um, Whether it's Section 508 in the US, I think that's the one, which is also, you know, talking about all the accessibility stuff, you know, like if your product can't be used by somebody with certain needs, then it needs to be addressed. And I'm hoping that eventually is something similar will come out in the uk
0: and and it's tough because it's like it's a collective mindset it's a social like a lot of these mm. people can't see the day-to-day impact so you know as a business like in the u.s if you know with there not being these types of regulations it really is on the organizations and the businesses and and individuals to make the change how are you how are you advocating for that like what what I guess emotional heartstrings. Like, how are you making the pitch to businesses to actually adapt the plans that you recommend?
1: There's, there's two sides to it. Um, one of the key things for, and if we look at like digital touch points, if we look at things like uh, websites as a prime example, you know, there are it's just, you know, sustainable web design, which is a massive, uh, it's a book, it's, there's guidelines, there's different strategies that can be put in place. One of the key things that I always thought to say is if you make your website more sustainable, it will rank higher. It will perform better because by being more, by having a more sustainable website, it loads quicker it behaves better it's more instantly more accessible and i'm not talking about accessible when it comes to like web content accessibility guidelines but also in terms of the idea of data poverty you know i'm not sure whether what it's like in the in the us but over here there's a massive difference between in connection speeds depending on where you are um you know if you're in the middle of a city you might get Three, four hundred megabits per second. Sometimes slightly slower, but in like I'm in a little village. I'm in the middle of Norway, really. So I get rough, roughly thirty. So then, if I'm if I'm looking at a website that's that's quite heavy, that's 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 really asset heavy and generates a lot of emissions, it's going to take a lot longer for that page to load for me. And if we go down the road like half a mile, that speed halves. If you go down even further, it halves again. Like there's that massive disparity. Like their needs in terms of accessing the internet, for the most part, like even if it's going to the local uh, local authority website to find out when your bins are collected or anything like that, like stuff like that will take will take a lot longer for them. Um, In fact, there was there was actually like a really good example of this uh, during Hurricane Katrina. Um, which was obviously a few years ago and massive, massive tragedy. But what CNN did is they removed everything from their website that wasn't text so that even though cell towers were down, even though connections were disrupted, it was the most lightweight experience it could be, which helped everybody get access to -to up-to-date information, which at that point in time was incredibly needed. Um, Yeah, it's that's and that's so that's one of the key points that I always talk about. The other point is that is saving money as well. Mm. So if you, it's of me, but like cloud storage, when we talk about like storing stuff on the cloud, I hate the term the cloud because it makes it completely ethereal. It's like I can't touch it, it's not real. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know yourself, like data centers use an incredible amount of energy, so like they are more. I, I compare them to, to factories, like Victorian factories, that yeah. you can see just spewing out loads and loads of smoke because that's what I see. Because that's how much, you know, they, generate, they use a huge amount of electricity. Now, by reducing your demand on those services, so if you delete all files, if you archive them and take them offline, like... Uh, using external hard drives or even tape media or DVDs or whatever, you're then reducing your carbon emissions massively, instantly. Deleting all the emails, deleting all the files. I mean, you call it
0: out like those two big aspects is like the technical debt of the website and the data, irresponsible data management, in essence, Mm -hmm. for businesses are like the major issues. What I guess my question is what responsibility should be, in your opinion, on the massive behemoths like the Googles and the Amazons of the world? Because, obviously, Amazon, beyond just being e-commerce, is Amazon
1: web servers as well. AWS. Yeah. So, I know that both of those companies do talk about sustainability a lot. I know that if you look at the Green Web Foundation, which is a big resource. Uh, and has a list of hosting companies internationally that use renewable energy uh, or offset. I know that Google and Amazon do that within certain data centers. Um, I also know that they've, that especially Amazon. Amazon have been under a lot of scrutiny because they have their own reporting tools, but they're not that accurate. There's another another thought leader in this space who literally called them out and saying, literally, you're out by a factor of 100. And it's just unreal because there are emissions that just are not being considered. Um, because, you, and yeah, and because of that, they're literally just being called out. Google are a good example of somebody who offsets everything. So what they'll do is they'll just, plug into the grid, use all the electric all the electricity that they need to, and then at the end of the year get their energy built and go, okay, we'll pay that off. And then we'll invest the same amount in renewable energy.
0: That's cool. I mean that that Which, makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean it kind of does. I mean it, it it's good in the way that he's actually offsetting everything, but it's not a reduction. It's an offset. Gotcha. It's not good enough you know, basically it's good it well it's better than nothing is what i would say (laughs) it's definitely not the best i mean if you look at like net zero targets and everything like that net zero is all about reduction it's not about offset it's about reduction first like Mm. i've always said since the very beginning of of my sustainability journey that i'm not anti-offset i'm anti-offset first And that's the approach that I like to take. I'm not one to kind of go, right, measure everything and then just offset everything. It's measure everything, strategize, lowering it, and offset it. Um, Because that's what's needed. I mean... And even then, reducing it saves you a heap of money. If you're looking at reducing, if you look what if if yeah if with reducing and offsetting, like offset credits are getting more and more expensive. Um, So to offset anything will cost you a lot more in the future. So reducing your emissions to in the very beginning will save you a heap of money. It's, it's so
0: interesting, like the difference between starting a business versus like transforming a business from your yeah. experience, who are the people in the organization that actually typically launch these types of projects? Like, are they environmentalists? Are they the revenue, you know, the finance folks? Like who's actually getting these, these, these projects going and what are their motivations are?
1: So the the uh, most of the people that I've dealt with have kind of been almost self-appointed sustainability champions. So yeah. they're the people that, you know, if, if they're in an organization that doesn't have a, a specific sustainability role, um, they'll kind of go, right, I am now taking this on. I'm not changing my job title. I am still product designer, marketing manager, whatever. But I give a damn and I'm going to do something about it. Uh, so they tend to be the ones that do kick it off. I think in terms of responsibility, it's everybody, you know, because there's 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 something that everybody can do. Um, one of the things that we that that we talk about within our training is the fact that everybody can do something. Regardless of what your skill is, you can do, still do something. Um if you're a content manager or a marketer working on a website, there are things that you can do to lower it. Um, if you're in within leadership it's then making digital a part of your net zero targets it's then kind of making it align hence the name yeah with other sustainability goals you know I think a lot of a lot of organizations now have those net zero targets or have some you know, have know that they need to do something and then it's just making sure that yeah that digital is a part of that because it is often and too often completely ignored do
0: you when you implement something like this do you have like do you recommend businesses have stringent guidelines that they abide by similar to accessibility or is it like a layer of review at some point in the process
1: so on what i it depends on what the what what it is that they do. If it's sure. a website, or, or what the touch point is, because if there's if there's a website, there's there's already some guidelines that are out there um i even that the w3c C have actually come out with their own sustainability stuff uh their own sustainability guidelines which actually includes a lot of product management guidelines as well mm. so then that's kind of twofold there's obviously there's the sustainable web design which again does some of the same not in the same way um you know so you've already got those standards straight away that you could use and work with there's the green software foundation which does that a little bit more in-depth for software products but then there's not a lot when it comes to some of the softer skills you know like email management or data management or even like yeah anything to do with data they don't really touch on um excuse me outside of software and websites um and that's where I kind of come in and go right. Let's create these policies and procedures. You know, within the EU and UK, we have the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, and other. There are similar ones in the US as well. The the CCPA, right, like California, uh, but like across the yeah. country, it's not nearly as like. I know. It, this is what I found out. Like it differs from state to state, which is just yeah. unreal. Like there's no blanket legislation. Um, Not
0: yet. I mean, it's it's it gets so complicated and it's embarrassing at some point if you do have like kind of a, a, you know, a a environmentalist like responsibility perspective. You're just like, ah, like you can't because that that like makes me think you have in the UK, like the entire government having your back to some extent, at least better than a lot of countries. Like how, how do you even like education is one part with in an organization. Do you have any like incentivizations or any sort of like programs that you found to be effective? Like you mentioned email, like how do you get people to actually be conscious about how many emails they send?
1: This is the difficulty. A lot of, because a lot of it, a lot of it is changing habits, but you know, it's not, it's not, you know, you can't put a guideline in place or or a policy in place that says do not send emails or send only five emails per day, because there are obviously going to be circumstances where that, will, that won't be able to apply or it won't be feasible today. So trying to get people to be more conscious of it is, again, understanding it. You know, we've written policies and procedures to kind of help with that. Yeah, such so as limiting the the use of reply all, limiting the the use of replies, or actually clearing the email chain before pressing reply. Because it's like our email chain. You know, every time we click reply, it includes every single email that's been previously. Now I taken. feel
0: guilty. You and I went back and forth like a whole bunch oh, of I'm times. Not. I'm like, okay, now I'm aware. Luckily,
1: of it. luckily it was like I think it was like like five times. Yeah it maybe. <laughs> it wasn't too many, but you've got to think like within an organization, um, excuse me, such as Allianz, who are a big financial services uh, yeah, big financial services company based in based in Europe and the UK, they're probably gonna have email chains that are gonna be hundreds and hundreds of messages long, and they'll just instantly out of out of habit reply send send to everybody reply send to everybody and it's that sort of thing like online messaging like some using something like slack or whatsapp or telegram or something like that actually saves on emissions a little bit more as well mm. especially if you're including external parties um because a lot of the time data sent through email travels that little bit further if they're on a separate domain um so you're doing things like that can 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 help save emissions and having simple principles as well like making making sure that your email is not too long and not too short not too long so that people reading it don't know what to do with it or they have too many things to do from it and not short enough where it instantly needs a reply
0: it it makes so much sense and there's definitely a huge Takeaway there, just in terms of being conscious, like you know, you just sharing this this information and and thinking of the impact is not something that I ever thought about, and I hope the audience considers it. I do want to quickly touch on now now like thinking about it, and my mind is reeling. LLMs and generative AI, like you must think that that's the most awful human invention <laughs> ever.
1: I really do. I really do. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's twofold. I mean, I mean, I don't even want to get started on OpenAI and ChatGPT because I think that that I think there's a special place in hell for the people that invented it. <laughs> purely because, no, purely because not just because of the environmental aspect, but also the ethical right. aspect, like the fact that they've, you know, it's literally been a breeding ground for hatred. The fact that they've literally uh, OpenAI have contracted. Uh, workers from Kenya, and paid them an absolute pittance to go through the the all of the data, remove anything that is, is misogynistic or hate filled or violent, and also then yeah, just the environmental impact of it. You know, I I know somebody who did a study on it, like just kind of picked some like got some estimated figures on usage and did some numbers and plugged it away and worked out that the that charged ChatGPT emits 24 tons of CO2 per day. Mm-hmm. And this, this study was done last year. So, you know, imagine the growth that it's had over the past 12 months and that number could easily tripled. You... And that's every single day.
0: The only thing I can think of like the hopeful positive outcome because it's a cat out of the bag situation and mm-hmm. you know it's hard to have any faith that that things will change quickly or fast enough is that the technology allows us to find better solution like ultimately results in better solutions environmentally at some point but that's a hope and a wish right
1: yeah, I mean, you've, you've you I'd hope that there are people out there that use it very efficiently and use it. You know, if, if it could do, you know, it might be able to do stuff a lot better than I can myself, which is then probably saving on emissions because it doesn't have to eat or use or use the internet or breathe. Um, but then, if, I'm 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 certain that the vice use is, you know, it gets a response. That's not the right response. I'll need to do it again. Or no, that's not the right response. Or it's people just experimenting, or if yeah. we're trying to do something that 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 artificial intelligence can't quite do yet. Um,
0: it's a, it's a tricky not,
1: conversation,
0: man, because it's a very yeah. real like reaction when you're like, you know, we we have this like people who aren't as environmentally conscious. Like I think, you know, I think of things I can do better, and then I think about things that I'm completely wasteful digitally, and there's a guilt there. And yet, at the same time, there's a reality of the day to day, and it's like there's some serious cognitive dissonance.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is, and I, it's. I have to say this a lot as well to people: is don't feel guilty for something that you didn't know about. Right. You know, you, you, know, you can't. I'm still going to do you, it. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't punish you. Punish you for your lack of knowledge. I. Nobody can. Like that. Right. That is not a thing. That is not right to do but if you find out and you still do exactly the same then shame on you but if you if you find out and then change perfect i mean if we're talking about you know the energy demand of of data centers is growing that that is not going to change the only way to change that is to try and start reducing our demand on these services whether that is social media email marketing search engine optimization websites data everything to try and reduce that i mean there was a study by uh writers and they've literally come out and said that u.s data centers their energy demand is going to double by 2030. Like
0: double. I mean, if it's any consolation, <laughs> I'm doing my part by voting against them locally in terms of placement, but they'll still find somewhere else to to they'll put find
1: them. To th- this is this is the thing that they, they will literally just find somewhere else to do it. And okay. I think it goes to like terminology as well, and kind of lack of understanding with some of the terminology. Like you know, as we touched on before, talking about the cloud and how yeah. saying the cloud makes it seem so completely ethereal and then there's obviously within the tech world serverless, which mm-hmm. still uses the exact same data centers just in a slightly different way um damn you marketers
0: so
1: <laughs> it is it is, I, I I am I'm almost it's borderline greenwashing for me yeah it's it's, it's so close to it that's the that I think it should just be called out you know outright. um chris it's such an interesting
0: topic and and it's definitely something that i feel like deserves more of a spotlight i'm happy that we're able to bring it on the show and and i i apologize and i also don't apologize to our viewers and listeners at home that you now have that (laughs) knowledge so that's on you whether or not you decide to change your behavior and i will definitely personally try to make a slight difference at the very (laughs) least at email marketing if not Much bigger. If there's one big recommendation that someone can do today to reduce at at an individual level their imprint, what would be your your recommendation?
1: Individually, Uh, there's so many. There's so many. I think within within an organization, it's unsubscribe to emails that you don't that you don't read. Delete Uh really really old ones uh, if they're not not useful anymore. Obviously, this is more within the workplace, but at home, don't stream in 4K. I think that's probably the biggest one. I think, you know, if you are... Don't get me wrong. I love, you know, love streaming stuff. I love the Mandalorian series. I love Netflix. But I never watched it in 4K. One, I can't really tell the difference because of wear glasses. But two... (laughs) it, it reduces it reduces my my energy demand it reduces the amount of the amount of data that being transmitted by a huge amount um, That's more than fair.
0: That's
1: and then more than fair. and then and so yeah it's it kind of massively helps
0: okay so um thank you so much for for kind of like sharing all these insights i think it's really important do you, are you ready for some some rapid fire rankings
1: oh, yes please
0: <laughs> let's let's bring this back to SEO. Here we go. We're gonna put the music <laughs> on. We're gonna bring it back to the clock. It is all relevant, regardless. Um. Okay. First off, Chris, rank your top three of something you love. Anything most in the world.
1: Something that I love. Uh. Just randomly i think music has to be a, a massive one uh family and the planet
0: i love it easy one two three rank your best <laughs> seo or marketing win
1: i completely redesigned the website and uh, didn't actually change much of the content at all just made it more lightweight and more sustainable even migrated the com- the domain so it was a completely different url and everything boosted in within its rankings There you go. I
0: love that. I love that. Rank your top three (laughs) SEO tools.
1: Uh, Screaming Frog because I think it's brilliant at indexing stuff and kind of diagnosing a few bits. Uh, Webmaster Tools just because everybody uses it and it's really super linked to Google and Hemingway, which isn't an SEO tool, but uh, it's an editor that I use on a daily basis.
0: You're talking content SEO. It's like they're one and the same.
1: Absolutely. Rank
0: your best SEO trick or tactic.
1: Uh, to focus on conversion rather than winning traffic.
0: I love that. I mean, it's it's that's what SEO should be about is ultimately about revenue, leads, mm. actual business metrics. Um, rank, what you do love most about SEO, even though it's tangentially related to a lot of what you do.
1: What I love most about SEO is the fact that it can be used to shorten user journeys. Um, and I think that's probably gonna be one of the key things that, you know, SEO, is obviously all about boosting traffic but if all that traffic is going to the to a single location and having to be diverted through an entire web structure then use SEO to shorten it have specific landing pages for specific keywords it's just it's it's not that difficult
0: it's a brilliant perspective i i really like that rank your best learning seo resource
1: Probably my own experience. I mean, and probably because I, I I say that I'm not an SEO person. I'm obviously not about it. It's intent like completely <laughs> linked into to to what I do, into what I used to do as a web developer. Um, but yeah, I think it's literally just learn it, learn by doing. You know, if you have a mentor, great. If you have somebody that you can ask a lot of a lot from, great. If you don't, you can learn it yourself. It's yeah. it's. Just try. Right. If you fail, it, at least you've learned something.
0: I, I love that, and it's so true because, like you know, it is very much a black box. Okay, I'm gonna flip it a little, put you on the spot, but more in your wheelhouse. Rank your top one to three digital sustainability people in your industry that you admire or look up to the most.
1: Uh, top three. Uh, Tim uh, not because he's one of the the main people behind it. Uh, Mark Butcher, who speaks a lot about green operations and he deals with a lot of very, very large organizations. Uh, Third one, third one's difficult because I think I'd have to say Tom Greenwood. Um, I used to work for Tom as a web developer many years ago. Uh, Learned a lot from him and yeah, wanted to kind of take, you know, he kind of made me want to take that information even more, even further.
0: There you go. So check out in the description notes. We'll have uh, links to their social platforms so you can find and connect with those folks. And then finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote.
1: Big Orange Heart. This one's quite easy. Um, So they used to be called WPN Up. Um, This is going back when I was a developer. They specifically, they're a mental health charity that worked a lot with WordPress developers, mainly remotely and have since opened up to work with any remote worker so if you ever feel like you're, you that you need anybody to talk to or that you or, you know and work within the industry hornchart.org and um yeah talk to somebody
0: that's awesome yeah so find them in the links in the con- in the description as well chris if people want to find you online connect learn more about digital sustainability where's where's the best place to get in touch
1: Probably the as boring as it, as it is LinkedIn. Um <laughs> I think it's that he's probably one of the least toxic toxic social media platforms out there at the minute. So that's where I am.
0: I was gonna say, give it a minute. We'll see. No, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really enlightening, important conversation to end out the year. I appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for having me. It's has been it's been good to kind of spread all this knowledge.
0: Heck yeah. Okay. So my name is Garrett Sussman of iPollRank. Rank. We will catch you in 2024 for a bunch of more episodes. Thank you again for watching us all year. We will catch you later. Bye-bye.